0: This week, I went uh, to preach at Citizen uh, Young Adults uh, Ministry and uh, went into the three locations uh, in three of the bars in town. And I just wanted to come and report back to you guys because we have prayed for them. They're just doing a phenomenal job there. And uh, I couldn't help but uh, reflect on the fact that, wow, I actually got to go and preach in three bars in town. There was another time in my life when I went to bars in town to do other things, but Jesus has saved me. And, uh, and now I went into bars to to preach the Word of God and that was um, very, very exciting. Just two bars, uh, sorry, three bars packed out. Uh, people came to the Lord and just really exciting that church is going out into the community. and. Um, and the, the, the bar staff they get a they get a sermon whether they want it or not they 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 come they, you know they, they don't get they don't come to church but church comes to them and uh, very very exciting so a big shout out to Sid and the team just doing a phenomenal job come on let's celebrate what God is doing through the ministry of citizens. So uh, last week I was uh, speaking. Um, About down the line, if you um, weren't here um, or need to refresh your memory, then that's available on podcast. And towards the end of that sermon, uh, I was speaking about heaven and how we need to live with heaven in mind. We live with another land in mind. Who remembers what I'm talking about? Because the way, about six of you, that's really encouraging. Um, But we, we, we live... Uh, on Earth, we let we work out our walk with God, being aware of the fact that heaven is real, and if heaven is real that 's got to impact the way I live, my life here and it was i 'm reflecting on, on that on about eternal life, uh, I just felt led to a verse, um, a couple of verses in Luke chapter ten. so this morning it 's a bit of a bit more of a teach than it is a preach, but I hope you will get some uh, practical stuff just to help you um, outwork some of the things that that God is saying to us. Um, Luke 10, uh, verse 25, says this, that on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What is written in the Lord, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Now, I'm going to take things slightly out of order without affecting the, the context, but we're just going to work through and, and, and kind of break down the scripture a little bit. I think it's important to say right from the outset that I'm certainly not saying that we can earn our salvation through works. We, we cannot... Um, we cannot earn eternal life. What that can only ever come through Jesus and what He has done, not what I do. I don't earn that. That is not dependent on me. Thank God. Um, but I think it's also important to say that whilst we absolutely say that, sure, I. Come to Jesus, and He has done all everything that needs to be done on the cross, which is incredible. Just so wonderful to know that I don't have to carry all of that guilt and all that shame anymore. I'm a free man. Old things have passed away, new things have come. It's absolutely incredible. That's what Jesus has done for us, uh, for everyone who makes... Well, he's he's done that for everybody, and then we have an opportunity to respond to what he's done. But I think that it would be also ridiculous to think that uh, just simply by raising my hand in a meeting or coming forward or praying like I did all those years ago in my bedroom is the only thing that contributes... Uh, to my walk with God. I, it's, it's, it's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end of it. It declares a start. It's like the, That's the starting pistol. Um, so I essentially cannot earn my salvation through works, but through the, the fruit of salvation will be shown through my work. So there is fruit of salvation that will be In other words, we need to do something. We make a contribution to this process. And and essentially, that's what's coming out in this scripture, this exchange between Jesus and the uh, expert in the law. We're saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. So let's start with the heart. God, God says, I want, I want your heart. It starts with your heart. And we have said that begins by giving our life to Jesus. Romans 10, verse 90, 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe, say believe, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want want to say, I just want to say something. There's a big difference between knowing and believing. I can know about something, but that doesn't necessarily mean I believe it. What unlocks the treasures of the gospel is that I must believe. What what unlocks the treasures of knowing Jesus is I must believe. When I believe with my heart, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, more than 30 years ago now, I gave my heart to Jesus, like many of you have given your heart to Jesus. It's just that that heart that I gave to him was full of stuff. What do I mean by that? Well, someone, the lady, one of our neighbors just across the way from us has unfortunately uh, died. She was an old lady, but she's, uh, she's passed away. And uh, she has left the house for her family. That She has given the house to her family. But the, the house is full of stuff. In order in order for that they've got to get, they've got to get rid of the stuff in order to take possession of the house and that's what they've been doing in 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 other words it's a bit like i came to jesus but my and i gave him my heart but my heart was full of stuff that shouldn't be there that i didn't need to be there that he didn't want to be there see our heart is the nursery of our motives and our attitudes the nursery of our motives and our attitudes. See, when God God wants me to love Him with all my heart, it must be understood that that God is not just interested in what I do. He's interested in why I do it. Because it's, it's not just what looks right on the outside. It's not just... Doing the right thing. God, you know, sometimes we have to start by just doing it. But our attitudes and our motives need to fall into line because God wants our heart to be right in the process. So let's take, for instance, something that's quite clear from the Scripture. Let's think about giving for a moment. It's important we give, but God doesn't want us just to give. He wants us to give, but he, just, he wasn't, doesn't want us to just give. Because he says uh, in Second Corinthians 9, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, that's, that's clear. He's saying that, that, that we're, we're empowered to make a decision, God doesn't want us to give reluctantly or under compulsion. He wants us to give cheerfully. So that's God saying, hey, guys, I want you to give, but how you give is also important to me. Are we awake here this morning? Are we alive? That's good. He's saying that about the motives and the attitudes of our heart are important to Him. It's like even, it's like even how I um, give to God. I mean, we can give to God because we say, hey, God, you know, I believe, I believe you, I believe your word, and, uh, and I, I, I want to give to you because I believe that if I give, I'm going to get, I'm going to be blessed because you promised me I'm going to be blessed. And, and sure, you know, that's a way of giving, and you can even, you can, uh, even um, underline that from, from Scripture. But I, I don't know whether that's the highest. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, can, I should give to God not because of what I'm going to get, He's already blessed me. He's already, I mean, I, I want to give. Surely out of a place of joy, out of a place of thanksgiving. That's what Tando was helping us to understand as we, as we gave there. That, that however we give, sure God will bless us. But we come and we give because God has already done so much for us. I mean, the fact I've got a job is because of the blessing of God. The fact that I've got money coming into me at all is because of the blessing of God. So, you know, it's, look at it this way. Let's even take it away from church on God. Let's take it for one another. You know, it's, it's one thing for me to give a gift to you because I want to bless you because I want to I, I, I celebrate you or I want to celebrate something that you're celebrating. But if I'm giving you a gift because I want something out of you or I want you to like me or I want you to do something good for me or I... Invite you out for dinner because I want to bless you, but I'm waiting to hear from you now when you're going to take me out. You know, it's like that's that's to do with the attitude and the motives of my heart on the surface. I'm giving. But it's not just that I'm giving. It's how and why I I'm giving. God is concerned about why I'm doing it, not just what I'm doing. Because God is concerned about the heart. The Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The attitudes and the motives of our heart. You see, the reality is that man does look at the outward appearance. Appearance, And I'm not even taking that as a negative. I think that's something that we can work with as long as we don't get seduced by the outer appearance. We've got to understand it has a proper place. That we live in a world that is concerned, overly concerned p- potentially, with everything to do with image. It's about presenting the right image. It's about... What looks like, what it looks like on the outside. If you're visiting, you won't know that we, we lived in uh, Cape Town, South Africa for uh, 10 years. And uh, as, a, as a nation, it has many challenges of, of essentially the first world and the third world living side by side. It's a very unusual and challenging environment. But I remember speaking to a shopkeeper in a, in a quite exclusive mall uh, there in, in, in Claremont, Cape Town. And, uh, and the, he was it, uh, selling high-end uh, labeled um, clothes. And I got chatting to him, and he told me that, that without doubt, his biggest customers, his predominant customers were people who came from the informal settlement. Now the informal settlements were dotted around the edge of, 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 of the town, are and like they have you know millions of people in them. Um, and those informal settlements they're, they're just literally shacks. You you can't even you can't even be, begin to believe where they if there was space for a shack, they can put a shack there. Built with wood or corrugated iron or a combination of the two, and and it's people living there with no toilet facilities uh, in, in, in the shack, no electricity, uh, no running water, uh, like just just literally a shack. But those people were going to go and spend a lot of money in a high-end shop. Why? Because then they can look good. But. They, well, they've understood that the world looks at the outward appearance. They've understood that the world judges you by what they see. But it was just an illusion. It wasn't a reality. It was, it was, why would you go and spend all that money on that to maintain an image when you're living back home at a shack? It's just an, now that's quite an extreme example. But, but we're all capable, uh, some of us in, in different ways, of doing exactly the same thing. Presenting the right image. And while we're at it, point a finger at the world, let's just have a little look at the church for a moment, because we're really good at being focused on image. We're really good at making sure that we present the right thing. Look, it's right to present the outward appearance. I, re- I remember times gone by where the, the, the um, you know, the, the, the the reality was that if you were a churchgoer, you were expected to dress in a certain way, you're supposed to look in a certain way. And I've always had a bone of contention about this because ultimately it's not about the outward appearance, it's about the heart. It doesn't matter how you're dressed, it's about what's going on inside your heart. And, and, and the problem was that some, you know, I, I know that some people were alienated because they maybe had an ear piercing or they had a tattoo or they wore their hair, hair in a certain way. Uh, you know, and meanwhile you were favored, perhaps, if you wore a suit and a tie. And, and at, the end of the, at the end of the day, uh, it's not about that. It's not about maintaining an image or if you look like this, then you must be a good person. I don't care whether you wear skinny jeans. I don't care whether you wear flares. I don't care. You're, you're just, that is, it's not essentially what is being worn on the outside. If you're turning up here and think, well, the way to get on in this church is to wear skinny jeans, I've got, you got it very wrong. You got it very wrong. It's not... So if, if, for those of you who just gone out and bought a few pairs... <laughs> thinking that that is going to make it for you, you're going to be disappointed because it's not about what you look like on the outside. It's about your heart. And if you do wear skinny jeans, it won't hurt. Do you know what I'm saying? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But you you understand what I'm saying? We get so caught up in looking a certain way. God wants us to work on the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. If you came to my house right now, uh, I might show you around, or depending, you know, uh, you know if, you, if you asked or whatever. Uh, but there's a place I wouldn't take you, and that's into my garage right now, because my garage is a bit of a sham at the moment. It's got stuff everywhere. It looks a mess. It doesn't reflect me. I've got stuff in it that shouldn't be there. I've got stuff I need to get rid of. It's just a bit of a mess. It's just gradually, gradually got out of shape. Is there potential that we have rooms in our heart that we don't want Jesus to come into because there's stuff there that shouldn't be there, this junk that is built up, over a period of time. And it's made it a bit of a no-go area. Because I want to say that if we're going to love God with all our heart, there's no no no-go areas for Jesus. He has full access. He can go wherever He wants to go. You know, it's, it's possible to have a physical heart Condition And if you do, then, you know, we pray that God will heal you because we believe in a healing God. We believe that God can touch your physical heart and bring healing to it. But I believe there's a condition that is far worse than a physical heart condition. And that's a heart condition that is there because of emotional wounds. See, Jesus does not want us walking around with a wounded heart. He wants to heal our heart. If we allow Him to, He will heal it. See, I've learned that one one of the ways that I can express myself to to Him, express my heart to Him, express my love to Him, is through my worship. I believe there's something powerful. There's There's a divine exchange that takes place when I Worship. When I truly worship God, God changes my heart. God changes my heart. I think that, you know, it would be a fascinating journey that um, if you, if you uh, perhaps, I mean, I've done most of my worshiping in this house Uh, over the years I've been a Christian. But if you saw me when I was first a Christian, a young skinny guy with hair. But Like, you, you wouldn't recognize me. I was just so rigid. I just used to stand like this. I used to be so totally aware of what people were thinking of me. And I was so focused on myself. It's like I was there to worship, but I was so focused on me. I was so focused on what, the way I was being perceived. And I've had to learn. I've had to learn over the years how to Worship. I've had to learn how to engage with the Spirit of God and, and to open my heart and my mind. And you know what? Let me tell you something. I still have to work at it. Because I, I don't, I, I, it's not easy for me. I, I, I don't just come to church like some of you come to church. Because I come to church as someone who's responsible for what's going on. So I can be—I I, I can find it very difficult. I know—I know that uh, some of you might be shocked because you think, "Oh, you know what? I'm just, you know, such a man of God and so holy. I'm never going to think like this." But you know what? I can be stood at the front, and I can be thinking, "Why are they doing that? Why is that not on? Why is that off? Why are they stood there? Why are they stood there? Why? Oh, oh, they're in church. I haven't seen them in a while." Oh, that reminds me, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. And like all that stuff can be going around in my head while I'm stood there like that. <laughs> no, I know you guys, you're way too holy, so this is going to be a bit of a shock to you. And I know that, that you would never have that going on. But you know, for me, so like there are I've got to take charge of me. I've got to take charge of me because I'm here to worship. I've got to, I've got to, you know, sometimes I just have to close my eyes and I say, Lord, just help me deal with that. But God, I'm, I'm here to worship you and I have to realign myself and focus again. And sometimes I have to work at it. Sometimes that is, that is like, you know... The, never mind just what i'm seeing but sometimes i'm carrying circumstances i brought stuff to the meeting with me it's not just about what's going on in the meeting i brought burdens i brought complaints i brought issues with me to the meeting and 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 sometimes i've just got to praise my way through i've got to worship my way through i've got to i've got to i've i've i've, I've got to keep going through the motions of worship and praise until my spirit falls into line because my external victory will rely upon my internal victory. I've got to overcome first in my spirit, and then I will see things overcome in the physical realm. It's a very important thing to learn to worship because as I worship, I engage with God and I change. I have become a different person through the processes of worship. I don't know, some of you may struggle with this. I'm not, I, I don't, I just, I'm not being sexist. I'm just thinking that ladies can sometimes, they find it easier to show their feelings than guys. Not all the time, but, but much of the time. I think in that regard, sometimes the ladies can find it easier to engage in worship than guys do because they are used to, they, they are much, they have a more natural propensity to, to, to do that. Not always, but quite a lot. want to say, I think it's a powerful thing when men men learn to worship. It's a powerful thing. When you get men together and they will truly worship, that's not minimizing what happens together or when the women worship, that's a powerful thing too. But when men learn to break through and to worship God, it is a very powerful thing. And maybe that's why the enemy works so hard at stopping us getting to that place. Because it's not only A powerful thing for us personally, but it's a powerful thing in the spiritual realm. So we've got to learn to love God with all our heart. We've got to learn to love God with all our soul. God says, I I don't want just I don't just want your heart. I want your soul. It's quite it's quite specific. It's quite difficult because these things do impact one another. But he's saying, I want you to love me with all your soul. I want to engage with your emotions. God, wants, God, God is a God. He doesn't just touch my spirit. He wants to engage with me emotionally. He wants to meet my emotional needs. God is able to meet my emotional needs. If my emotional needs are not met in God, I will seek to meet them somewhere else. I'm I'm just going to repeat that because if my emotional needs are not met in God, I will seek to meet them in other places and in other ways. That's why some of us can make unreasonable demands upon our relationships. Because we're trying to meet our emotional needs through our spouse, through our marriage, or through our friendships, or through people around our lives. If you're single here today, And think that being married is going to solve all your problems. I just want to give you a gentle heads up. That whilst indeed it will solve some problems. It will also introduce. Some areas of problem that you're not presently. Experiencing. No person. No person can meet all your emotional needs. I've been married to this beautiful woman on the front row for more than 30 years. But the reason this works is because we put Jesus first. Individually, we put Jesus first. When Jesus gets out of line or out of sync in our lives, then we put an unreasonable demand on one another. And, 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 and I am not wired to meet all uh, Lynette's emotional needs and she's not wired to meet all my emotional needs because only God can do that. We can bless and encourage one another, but it is on the basis and on the foundation that I have a right relationship with God. Otherwise, I will make demands, uh, unreasonable demands on people. Sometimes it's easier to run to people, but it's not the best way. I believe that God can speak through people, but, but my heart must be always to go to God first, not to people. We will seek. You see, our, our, our emotional needs are so powerful if we don't find a place of, of dealing with them in God. It's like, it's like, right, like food. food is good. Food is great. While we're using food... To to meet our physical hunger is absolutely great. It's absolutely fine. But the moment I'm using food to to meet an emotional need, that is is something that I could never fill. And I will will overindulge because I'm no longer feeding a physical appetite. I'm I'm feeding an emotional appetite that, that nothing... Well, it won't work. It won't meet the need. I remember, uh, I remember a, a time a, a few years ago when I was absolutely using food to comfort me. I was, I was going through a set of circumstances. It was tough, blah, 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 blah. And I was absolutely using food to comfort me. Yeah. Now, you see, food could comfort me, but it can't cure me. I mean, I'm using food. You can put anything there. But it can, it can, it can comfort you, but it can't cure you. It can, it can soothe you, but it won't solve the issue. So you've got you've to, the, the way I, that you deal with it is the only way I'm going to deal with my issues, the only way I'm going to deal with my pain, the only, deal, the, the only way is to go to God. God is the one who will cure me? God is the one who will solve the issues. But, but the problem with that is it's so slow. Going to God, the, the, the thing is what, if, if I can go to food or I can go to alcohol or if I can go to drugs or if I can go to sex or if I can go to the TV or if I can go to something else, that is quick. It's a quick fix. It's, it's, it's short-term gain, but long-term pain. The issue with going to God is, is it's short-term pain. Because I'm not getting the fix I want. But it's long-term gain, because in the end, the issue is dealt with. It's healed. I can't go to stuff to meet the need. I can't go to stuff to heal me. It can't. It might comfort me. It's like if it's like if I had if I had uh, uh, I don't know some kind of infection on my hand and I kept rubbing a cream into it that would soothe it and take away the pain. It won't heal it. It will it will it will, it will soothe it, but it won't heal it because actually I need some antibiotics. I need I need something stronger to deal with it to get to the root of the infection and then. It will be healed from the inside out. Jesus can get to the root of the infection. He can get to the root of your problem. And he can get to the root of the thing that you're trying to soothe with stuff that will never work. Talked about using alcohol. What about using money? Money. You know what? It's absolutely fine that. We should want to use something that we've earned to want to treat ourselves. Why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we want to treat ourselves? I, I have a problem, though, if I am using spending money to meet an emotional need that only Jesus can fill. If I'm buying stuff that I don't need, if I'm buying stuff that just for the sake of buying it, it's because I'm getting, I'm get, I'm meeting a need by using the wrong thing. If I've got stuff hanging on in the wardrobe that I've never worn, and i have still got the price tag on, so I just keep looking at me like I'm not talking to you. It's fine. <laughs> then the son, I'm, 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 I'm getting, am buying stuff that is, that is, me. It's the rush. I'm, get, I'm going for the rush, but that will never meet the need. The God, the God will meet. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's obviously a lot more examples. I'm not, you know what? That, at the end of the day, this is one of those like, I, I know it's a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not expecting you to be all excited and jumping up and down and all that sort of thing. But what we need to understand is that, that God, is, God comes to challenge us to live in a different way. He wants to deal with our lives from the inside out. In fact, he, he said, firstly, in, in 2 Timothy 3, he said, firstly, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. When we come around the word of God, it's not always going to make us feel good. It's not just about getting messages that are like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Come to Jesus. Change your life. Change the world. Change everything. Yeah, come on, wait a Give me those kind of messages. It's not just about that. The, the word of God comes to, it comes to teach and rebuke. Why are you doing that? Don't touch that area. Don't don't go in that room. The Word of God helps us clear out the garages of our life. Tidy them up. Sort them out. So that we can love God with all our heart and with all our soul. Goes on to talk about... um, and this is the bit where i just take it a little bit out of order, but bear with me, you'll understand why. It talks about my heart, my soul, my mind. It's like he's got us. If you can get our heart and our soul and our mind, he's got us. What, what do I think about? What do I reflect upon? What do I meditate upon? What do I dwell on most of the time? Think about that. What do you find yourself? Thinking about most of the time. Because God doesn't just want your heart. He doesn't just want your soul. He wants your mind. He wants to be part of what you're thinking about. It's the way, it's a way to live. Romans 12 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed. By the renewal of your mind. The word transformed in the original Greek means metamorpho, from which we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is a complete, utter transfiguration, transformation. It is like the tadpole to the frog. It's like the caterpillar to the butterfly. Walking with Jesus means that my mind, should be being transformed. That means that if I have known Jesus for a little while or a long while and I don't think that much differently to how I did when I first received Him, there has been a breakdown. Because my walking with Him means that my thinking must change. I must think differently. You know, when I... When I first came to Jesus, my, my life was ruled by fear. Well, you, you wouldn't have necessarily known that. I was really good at putting a different front on to that. I wasn't timid in that I just sat back and shy. But the truth is, behind the scenes, backstage, I was ruled by fear. I was ruled by fear of rejection. I was paralyzed with approval addiction. I was addicted to people's approval. I needed, everything that I did was molded around. I, was, I would have conversations where I would moderate and uh, I was, um, you know, so sensitive, overly sensitive to people that I would, I would alter what I was saying according to what I thought the person wanted to hear. So I was no longer being me, I lost me. I was so busy trying to be the, you, the, 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 the me I thought you wanted me to be. Jesus helped me to deal with that. I don't live like that anymore, I don't think like that anymore. Why? Because my mind has been transformed. I'm not trying to think differently. I do think differently. I'm not saying I don't care what people think. I think that's a natural thing to care what people think. But what I'm saying is I'm not held captive by it. I'm not paralyzed by it. You know? It's nice if you like me, but it's not going to kill me if you don't. You know what I mean? It's like I'm I'm not controlled by that anymore. being transformed. Thank God. Thank God. Because let me tell you, that stuff used to seriously affect me, even in the way I led meetings, even in the way that I preached. I remember, I remember, and some of you won't even know what I'm talking about, you, but maybe five or six of you will, but I remember way back um, in the early 90s when I was leading meetings, and I went and... Uh, I was about to lead a meeting in the Albert Hall. And I went, uh, the, if, you, if you look at the platform at the Albert Hall, there's two sets of stairs that run, run down the, the, each side of the platform from the upper level. And I went to sit on the steps on, the, on the, the right-hand side of the platform. And I was sat there saying, God, take this away. Take this away. I don't want to do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Take it away, Lord. It's not me. This is not me. Sat there praying. Thank God. He, you know, who's glad that God doesn't always answer your prayers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because why? Because I was being ruled by something that wasn't me. Yeah. I, this is me. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy was using stuff to stop me getting to where I should be. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got you've to you've allow him to do something in you. You've got to allow him. To, to do something in your mind. So many times in my life, my mind has tried to pull me. If my, my mind was telling me, oh, you're not meant to do this. You know, you're rubbish at this. You know, back off from this. That was what my mind was telling me. But God had another plan. My mind was pulling me over here. But God was saying, I need to be here. I shared with you a few weeks ago how, you know, the enemy the tormented in, me, in, in my mind and it kept me awake at night. And, 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 and uh, my root of that, of that was you will keep me in perfect peace. Whose, my, my, uh, who, him whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is stayed on you. And, and, and that, that is what I had to do. That was, that was the medicine. How many of you know that sometimes your mind will just want to fight you? It's like I know I should, I know I should think in a different way, but my mind is like, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think in that way. I'm gonna think out of the way I've always thought. I'm gonna think in the way your mum thought, and the way your dad thought, and I'm gonna think in the way your grandparents thought, and you people have always thought like this. It'll come and take you on. That's the facts. How many of you know there's a difference between facts and truth? The facts are that my mind was pulling me to a place of worry and fear and torment. But the truth was, you will keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you. But but oh, but I'm tempted to worry, tempted to fear, but no, no. And, and 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 use the word of God. I use the truth of the word of God to deal with the facts that are running with, through my mind. And if you if you use the truth. If you speak the truth, if you think the truth, if you confess the truth, the truth will set you free. But you've got to, you've got to do, you can't just, um, you can't just say, oh, you know, oh, he will keep in perfect peace. Him, his mind is stayed on me. Oh, well, that didn't work. You've got to fight. Sometimes you've got to fight. You've got to fight to get free. You gotta to fight to get free. Why? Why? Why is it so difficult to get free sometimes? I'll tell you why. Because I've got generations of rubbish to look back on, I've got generations of stuff that are trying to hold me back and hold me down and tell me the way life should be. Live like this. This is how the way everyone else has lived. Live like this. And Jesus has come and he set me free and He showed me a different way. And I'm having to allow the blood of Jesus to break every lie, break every chain, break every misconception in the name of Jesus so that I can walk free. I am not being what my past says I can be. I walk free. I'm not what the generations before say I should be. I'm not what the social workers say that I should be. I'm not what, uh, what a social study say I should be. I am who Jesus says I am. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I will walk in the freedom that He has got for me. The devil is a liar. but a love the Lord, your God. With all your mind, you do not have to go where your mind wants to take you. You know what? I don't know whether you get them. These awful marketing calls on your phone. Lord, help me. I see that. You know what? At the moment, if I I see a number I don't recognize, I'm not picking up because... You know what, it's, it's like, ah, they drive you crazy. But you know what, the thing is this, you don't have to pick up. When the devil calls, just let the phone ring. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to pick up the phone. And it might get on your nerves and you might be tempted to. but you know what, you can focus on something else. Let the phone ring. Devil, I'm not... I'm not listening to what you've got to tell me. I'm not buying what you're trying to sell me. Because I am not going where you're trying to take me. I don't have to pick up the phone. I don't have to go where my mind's taking me. I'm going where my spirit is taking me because my spirit is more powerful than my mind. Which leads me to the next point, which I think is really important And I just find it interesting. Jesus talks about our heart. He talks about our soul. He talks about our mind. And then he says, with all your strength. How did that make the list? How did strength make the list? I'll tell you why it made the list. Because you're going to need it. Because if you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, it's going to take strength. It's going to take energy. It's going to take effort. If you're going to worship God, it's going to, you're going to have to fight for it. You're not just going to have to sit there and, oh, just Jesus, let it all happen to me. No. You've got to rise up. You've got to fight for it. No. I am not going to church. I refuse to walk in these doors and leave being unaffected. I refuse to walk in these doors and leave unchanged, unimpacted by the, the power of God. I'm going to the house of God, therefore, if the presence of God is there, I must receive something good. I will be more blessed. I will be changed. It's not just some of your strength, it's all your strength. It's going to take all your energy. It's going to take all your effort to be the person that God wants you to be. Paul writing to Timothy Said it this way, it says, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. See that? Rather, train yourself to be godly. It says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Train yourself to be godly. It says physical training has some value. You know, if we're more bothered about going to the gym than we are the training ourselves to be godly, there's something wrong. Our priorities are out of whack because we need to train, train ourselves to be godly. Train ourselves. Train ourselves. Yeah, you know, it takes effort, it takes work. You know what? I don't know. You might think I'm crazy, but I was, I, was, I was thinking, I didn't get a chance to share this in the first service, but I was thinking, you know, I, I just had this picture when you talked about training yourself. I, I, you know, like, I love, I'm not, you, as you know, I'm not the biggest sportsman in the world, but if there's one thing I love, I love watching athletics. It's my favorite thing. I love watching athletics, love watching 100 meters. Uh, and, um, you know, the thing, the thing is, you see those guys at the beginning of the 100 meters, You know what? They're not chatting to anyone. They're not chatting. They're not having a conversation. They're not saying, what are you doing after the race? (laughs) I was thinking we could go out for coffee or something like that. (laughs) They're not doing that. They are like in the zone. They're getting. You know, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if if they can do it for a 100-meter race. I was thinking, what would church be like if people got in the zone... Before the, Maybe if I was getting in the zone before I came to church, it might affect. It might affect the kind of conversations I have before church. It might affect the time I take to get ready in the morning. It might affect the time I get up. I don't know. It would just influence what I do. Train yourself to be godly. Why? Because why do you have to train yourself? You have to train yourself because when it comes to Sunday morning, your flesh is saying, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I've worked hard all week. I just wanted one lion. That's all, just one lion. The flesh is screaming out because the flesh wants to take you somewhere where God doesn't want to take you. That's why I have to train myself. My flesh is saying, I don't want to. And you've got to say to your flesh, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. I don't care. You can kick, you can scream. I'm dragging this body to the house of God. I can ju- if I just get there, if I can just get there, if I can just get into the presence of God, I know I'm going to feel better about it. Oh Jesus. You know, I put down here, I said, you know, there's a world of difference between Christianity and churchianity. Churchianity is, I go to church one that meets my needs oh I've got friends and I've got community we have a sing and we have a lovely motivational talk and I give and I even pray but I don't really change I'm not involved because I'm a consumer I'm a fan of Jesus Jesus is great Jesus 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 but I'm not really a follower. So I just kind of stay at the same level. The evidence of my faith is that, hey, I attend church. But churchianity isn't Christianity. Christianity means I'm a follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus. Because I am church, I build church. It's not about my needs. It's about your needs. And it's about the needs of a dying world. See, I don't just sing. I worship. I lean into the preaching of the Word because I believe that God will speak to me. And the faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. I'm changing as I train myself to be godly, because I'm not just a fan of Jesus. I'm a disciple. I'm changing, growing, being transformed. The evidence of my faith is my life is changing and I'm impacting the people around my life, both inside and outside the church. Church is where I am encouraged, challenged, keep up the good fight. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. Time's gone, but let me just quickly say this, the the last point. was also to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? I want to say our biggest problem is not that we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. Our biggest problem is that we do love our neighbor like we love ourselves. Because I speak to my neighbor the same way I speak to myself, I judge other people because I judge myself. I find it difficult to love others because I don't really love myself. But if ever I realized that I am loved by Jesus, I am forgiven. When I really know that I can forgive you because I know I've been forgiven. I know I'm loved. I can accept you because Jesus has helped me accept myself. Let's pray. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I dare to say to you that you are not living the kind of life that you could live. I believe that you want to live a better life. You just don't know how to. And maybe you've tried and you've just found yourself frustrated. That is because you can never do it on your own. But we have a God who loves us. We have a God who sent a Son, Jesus to die for us on a cross. To deliver us from our shame and our guilt. From everything we've done wrong. And to give us the power to live a different life. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about hope. We're talking about future. We're talking about being the person you were born to be. Maybe you're here today and, and the truth is once upon a time you did make a decision for Jesus, but life happened and you find yourself far away from God. I just want to give you the opportunity today to say, Jesus, I come to you. I, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. It, but there's something inside of me that says, I want this. I Not just any moment. This is a destiny moment. With every head bowed and every eye